He played carol gun. His rating was higher. But from move seventeen, the king's side was mine. Took my chances fast. My rook was a knife, and my almighty queen, a beast on each six. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ladies' Night, the official podcast of U.S. Chess Women. I'm your host Jennifer Shahadi, and you are listening to the artist Huga of HugaMusica.com, and that is a song that certainly captured my heart. Oh, Capablanca, and oh, what a season it's been for chess. My very first guest on Ladies' Night, Alexandra Botez. Alexandra is a streamer at twitch.tv slash Alexandra Botez with over 18,000 followers. She's actually one of the most popular chess streamers in the world. And if you listen to her on Twitch or seen her commentary for the Pro Chess League, you'll know why. Um, Amazing personality, great engagement with fans and viewers. She's also a five-time Canadian girls chess champion and many-time Olympic team member. She's a recent grad from Stanford University, and now she's a tech entrepreneur in the Bay Area and the CEO of Fame Game. Hello, Alexandra. Welcome to Ladies' Night. Hi, Jen. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, it's so exciting. I mean, really, the reason I asked you to be on the show was because there's so many things I'm really curious about your life and um, your career. Um, But I wanted to get started because I think that a lot of listeners might not know that much about Twitch and streaming. Can you kind of explain what it is that you do on Twitch? I mean, you're incredibly popular there. In fact, I checked and you're the second most popular streamer behind only Hikaru Nakamura. So what does a a typical Twitch stream consist of? Thanks for that awesome introduction. So Twitch is a live streaming video platform, uh, similar to how people can watch vloggers on YouTube, except that everything is done live. So there's a chat at the same time that the streamer is doing some type of activity. In my case, I'm playing online chess while also talking to people who are asking questions in the chat, playing against people who are watching on chess.com. And it's become a lot more popular over the last couple of years. Your stream or Twitch in general? (laughs) Uh, Twitch in general, but also chess on Twitch. I think if you looked at it two years ago, there was just one chess streamer, um, Eric Hansen or the Chess Bras. But over the last year or so, now there's 15 plus people streaming chess at the same time every day from what you can see in the browsing page. Yeah, that's really exciting. And so I've seen a lot of your streams and like snippets from them that you've clipped on YouTube and on Twitter. And it seems like you're really into bullet chess. Um, What other types of chess and variants do you usually play on your stream? Yeah, I really do love bullet chess. Anyone who's watched my stream knows that that's one of my favorite time controls. On Twitch, you'll find that Blitz is much more popular than longer games. So this is something different than you know, classical tournaments or anything like that, because it's easier to keep the pace going faster, keep the energy up. The audience likes to be a little bit more entertained. Oh my gosh, the person might flag and also have somebody explaining at the same time. 
in my experience, I also play a lot of Blitz. I've done simuls. I've done events where people who are watching the stream are playing each other, and I'm just hosting a tournament for them and commentating on it. There's a ton of new ways that you can get the chat involved instead of just playing one-on-one. -on -one. So I've tried to do a lot of that. Yeah, I actually saw recently that you did a 24-hour chess stream. How did that go? Well, in hour 16, I thought I was going to die. But other than that, it was a lot of fun. I wanted to do something a little bit more extreme to thank the people who had been watching my stream and supporting it for so long. So by saying I'm going to be here for, you know, 24 hours and commit myself to streaming for you guys, it was my way of saying thanks. And I think it was pretty successful in the end. A lot of people were watching. I think there were, you know, 300 viewers consistently watching at the same time, people coming in and out. Wow. And how did your chest progress as the stream went on? Did it like, did it like start out really high and then like dip towards the end or was it pretty consistent? It was actually somewhat consistent, which is surprising. I, I know that when you are streaming chess, you're probably losing like 200 ELO points compared to if you were just playing focused. Um, I, I mean like chess.com blitz or bullet rating points. But you eventually start to get adjusted to it. And even if you're tired, you're just kind of going off of the adrenaline. Right. And then part of the reason you're that you mentioned that you like lose a lot of rating points or strength when you're streaming is because you're also like moderating all the people that are commenting and kind of addressing their questions that I, I think I read an interview with you somewhere where you talked about or maybe it was a reply to a tweet about how um, this streaming is so much about community building, which I thought was a really interesting comment that it's not about you being the star. It's about building a community. So um, obviously that takes a lot of energy when you're streaming, right? Yeah, I, I thought about this a lot because obviously you can prioritize playing the highest level of chess um, and just focusing on your games. But what I wanted to do was create a community in the chat where I'm actually talking or sparking conversation and seeing what's going on. A lot of people in my chat now are already friends with each other. So that's amazing. I have a very supportive team of moderators or people who can um, help filter out the chat. And I think it's just more important to, to have fun while you're playing, at least in my stream, than focus entirely on the game. Because a lot of people who are watching, I think the average rating of my viewers is probably around 1600. So it's more important that they're getting their questions answered. They're feeling like they're a part of something bigger than just seeing perfect moves that wouldn't make much of a difference to them otherwise. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I really feel that that mirrors the kind of progression in chess commentary that we've seen over the years. I'm a commentator for major events in St. Louis, including the Grand Chess Tour and the U.S. Championships. And Chess.com, of course, does commentary for the Pro Chess League and the Speed Chess Championships. And I really feel that the progression has been that we're there to entertain the viewer, not to provide the most perfect analysis possible, which maybe a decade ago was more of the priority when you saw people doing commentary. Right. So... Yeah, I, I really like the spirit because that's that's the whole point. Like we want to get people in, to enjoy chess. Like if you want to maximize their learning ROI, then they're not necessarily going to be watching a stream or a commentary show, but like um, looking at their games with uh, Stockfish or, you know, solving puzzles. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, 
I've watched some poker streams and I, I can't always tell how good the person is playing, but when they take the time to explain what's going on, even things that are more basic, that's the kind of thing that's, that gets me thinking, Oh, I learned something from this. I want to play more poker. Now I want to apply this. And I've had such a great experience in streams that take the time to do that in areas I don't understand that I wanted to do the same thing in my stream with chess. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned poker because uh, for in poker, Twitch has been popular a little bit longer than in chess. And also, it's interesting because you entered this competition that I was hosting, the My Chess Poker Game Challenge. Right. In which you had to create like a kind of hybrid between chess and poker. And I loved your idea. It ended up being one of the finalists out of almost 100 entries. It was called Blunder Chess. And to those of you who didn't see Alexandra's hilarious video that she um, did with Anna Rudolph, basically the idea was that you had to randomly um, pick a number between five and 20. And at that move, your opponent got to take over the game and pick your move for you. Um, and it's pretty interesting, uh, really interesting concept, very simple, but also um, really uh, interesting in its execution. So how did you come up with the idea for that? I wanted to take the essence of having fun while you're playing and doing something lighthearted. So by forcing people to have a bad move at some point in their game, I thought it made it a little bit more fun. I, I, I read the contest rules and I saw that it could be poker or chance. And I wanted to do a game that was a little bit more easy to, to understand how to play because I thought simplicity is sometimes key and makes people more likely to try out a game. Absolutely. I mean, just because chess has already been around for over 500 years in its current rules format, I, I thought that, and then poker is... Also, um, you know, No Limit Hold'em has gone through some progressions to where it is now. The idea of a lot of people, they would they would create like so many different rules and complicated rules. And it, it didn't really make sense when you're dealing with like such an elegant, beautiful game already. Like adding like one or two tweaks made a lot more sense, kind of like Fisher Chess or 960. So I really liked your idea. Right. Right. And I mean, I think that also kind of showed to me, like, I know that you're in the tech world um, and you've been involved in a couple of different startups. So it kind of made sense to me that you would have like a idea that was like simple, but also really, um, you know, coherent. So could you tell me a little bit about your work in tech? I know that you had um, an app called Superfans. So to take it a little bit back, um, one of my closest friends and I, we started working on a company together in our third slash last year at Stanford. Um, and we launched a lot of consumer apps. Our first one was Superfan, and we were using artificial intelligence to scale personalized messages. Basically, we were just trying to help people reply to fan comments a lot more effectively by grouping them together by meaning. And this was interesting for a while. We worked with a lot of creators, but ultimately we realized there was a better opportunity for making an app for the fans rather than for the creators. Um, which is something I also really believe when I'm doing my streaming on Twitch, that the best experience for fans is something that's engaging and interactive and they feel like they're a part of it instead of just watching. Which led us to the next app we worked on, which is Fame Game, an interactive TV show that anyone can participate in. Our first one was uh, Take on American Idol, but the plan is to eventually launch more shows like this and create a platform. Wow, that's great because it feels like your nine to five job, or I guess in the Silicon Valley, maybe it's not really nine to five, but like whenever it's appropriate for you to work on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it really kind of like uh, 
um, dovetails with your your streaming career, but is it difficult to find time for both or do they kind of just um, complement each other so much? What I tried to do originally, and this was actually a year ago, was set one time slot a week where I could stream for two hours. And that was Thursdays at 8 p.m. So I started by doing that for like five or six months because I loved it and I wanted to be consistent just so that anybody who enjoys it knows when they can show up. And when I was really busy with my startup, just scheduling it in was one of the things that helped the most. And recently I've been putting in more time with flexible hours though. So if I'm not working or if I'm taking a break at a certain time, I could just go on and stream and then finish and go back to work. So you put more volume into streaming now because of that. That's, that's great. But it's also really inspiring to me that you were able to like, you know, get a following and, you know, uh, build your streaming career on not having to make a huge commitment because I think a lot of our listeners might be interested. Hey, should I, get into Twitch myself? Should I create a channel or should I be more of like a consumer? And what would you tell to them and some tips that you would give them? So it really depends first on whether they would enjoy being a streamer versus a consumer. Obviously, if you are leaning towards one or the other, that's where you should start. If you think you would really be into streaming, I would say set a time where you can do it consistently and you know do it for a month, two months, make sure you're showing up. And whoever shows up in your stream at the beginning, make them your best friend. Give them attention. Talk to them. Don't just try to play your best chess, but really be considerate of the fact that there's someone there in chat who's staying there with you for an hour or two and show them appreciation for consuming your content. Obviously, there's a lot of ways to grow fast, faster beyond that, like partnering with the chess.com streamer program or doing collaborations with other streamers. But I think that's the first step that anyone who thinks they might like it should take seriously. It's funny because it's, it feels like a lot of these are just like generally um, good small business tips as well. <laughs> I mean, Twitch Twitch is basically a small business. When I went to TwitchCon, that's exactly how all of the creator camps explained it. Um, it's, it's like a small business based off of entertainment and a community. And tell me about how your stream has developed or your style and your personality. Um, like what have you learned and what have you gotten even better at? At the beginning, I made sure that I was doing it and having a good time. So it took me a while to get comfortable in front of the camera. At the beginning, before I learned how to moderate chat, so time out people for saying comments or not let them talk in the chat at all, I would have a hard experience because people would be posting terrible comments. And when that's all you read, you stop having a good time and, and you don't want to be there because there was no community at the end. There was just people trolling. Um, so I, I took a break from from streaming and then I came back several months later and I was really lucky to have um, a couple longtime moderators who liked my stream and were helping me grow and learn and taught me the ropes of do not tolerate any any bullshit in your chat. It's yours. And if you do and it starts growing, those still people, those same people will be there and eventually it'll be toxic. So cut it off as soon as it starts. You'll grow slower, but the people who are there will make your stream better, not just for you, but also for anybody else in the chat. Yeah, I think that's a really important um, topic, especially because 
you know, for some women and girls playing chess, you know, of course they, they get certain opportunities, which are great, but then there's also sometimes this negativity and this harassment, which is really unfortunate and we just have to nip in the bud. And um, I, I think that in streaming, you can do it for these moderators. Of course, there's a chess bay who I saw quoted in this article about you, um, not just about you. Yeah, chess, chess Bay was the biggest help for me at the beginning. Now there's a lot of other mods who are amazing. And I, I don't know how to thank them enough, honestly. Um, but at the beginning, it just took one person to help me and and teach me how to do it properly. And that was Chess Bay. And this is like a culture change. But how does that potentially translate into like a real life culture change or like over the board, people being more respectful to women and girls. And so that women and girls can, you know, obviously lots of women and girls have great experiences in chess. And you can see that via the greater number of champions and girls playing. But obviously at U.S. chess, we'd like it to grow at a much higher rate. Mm -hmm. And I'm afraid that sometimes people leave the game because of negative experiences like you described rather than coming back three months later. Well, I had an interesting experience where I was able to watch a culture change from the very beginning and the fact that i didn't allow toxic toxic comments in the chat early on is what set basically the chat policy and i just never allowed it in the chat um for a lot of other communities where any type of mean comments or harassment has been allowed then it's a lot harder to change it later on but that doesn't mean that we should be allowing any of it. And if anyone is starting a new chess club or a new event, I would say make that a big priority. Just don't allow it from the beginning. Um, um, Hikaru Nakamura has started streaming recently, and his chat is amazing. I was actually watching his stream before we had this call. But he has a great team of moderators, and they are not allowing anything like that. So I think as his stream continues to grow, the culture is already set. So that means if somebody comes in and says something about Magnus and him, like they, it just gets cut. Like nobody's like nobody's allowed to like say anything bad about Hikaru, or is it? Oh, I mean, if it's playful, of course. If it's like, oh, what's going to happen when Magnus comes in here? and beats you at a game something like that is fine but when people start saying inappropriate things that are just rude or crass or out of line that's when you cut them out completely yeah that's gotta go totally and yeah i think that men i mean both streamers have a have a pretty um easygoing attitude and they're fine with jokes or anything like that but yeah, there, there's a line. <laughs> but I know what you mean, because I feel like with Hikaru or with you or with lots of famous people in the chess world, sometimes the negativity can make you more popular quickly because then you have like people who come and, you know, fight against the negativity. And then you just have this like kind of ramping up of popularity because it's like drama, right? Yeah. So you're saying it's better to avoid the drama and just grow with positivity. For example, Hikaru always jokes about the chess bras, and I think the chess bras also joke about Hikaru, so they have some type of rivalry going on. And and it's funny, like, one will joke, oh, I don't listen to that, you know, washing machine music. He didn't actually say that, it's just an example. And then the bras will joke back. That kind of stuff is fun, and I think it still creates more interest. But if one of them was just saying swear words and degrading the other streamer, then it's not worth it to get more views for something like that. Totally. Which they have not done. And I, I respect a lot that they don't do things like that. That's what I always say. If you're going to be rude or sexist, it better well be clever and original. (laughs) (laughs) If I've heard it before, it's really got to go. 
Right, right, right. So I, I want to ask you a little bit about your pro chess league um, experience, because I actually saw you in person, I guess, almost a year ago in San Francisco. As you- wow. Yeah. Time has flown by. Yeah. You were hosting the pro chess league. And I think as this, as this is releasing, we're kind of in the midst of uh, the 2019 season. So are, are you going to be involved this year as well? Yeah. So I'm going to be involved doing commentary for the upcoming Pro Chess League. I'm really excited for it. It was one of the most fun events I participated in. Last year was the first time they did a big eSport type event for chess, and it was a huge success, not just the commentary leading up to the event, but having people gather there in person as well. And since last year, chess on Twitch and online has gotten even bigger. So I'm really excited to see what this year is going to bring. Yeah, it's true. It has gotten so much bigger. And I was there in San Francisco and it kind of, I think, circles back to what you're, we were talking about earlier about has simple innovation, having a lot of power. Um, there, the players were noise-canceling headphones. So you could have a drink and cheer for your favorite player and when they made a good move or groan when they made a blunder and they actually didn't know. Right. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I'm really excited to see how it goes this year. Well, I'm glad you're going to be involved. And then also, I know that you were the president of the Stanford Chess Club. So how was that? And did you um, did you have like a lot of activity in the chess club when you were president? It was actually more of a relaxed experience because when I got to Stanford, chess club just meant, you know, two or four hours every week. It was really casual. Um, people would just bring boards and play. Sometimes it'd start on time. Sometimes it wouldn't. Um, and I'm, I miss chess because I played it a lot in high school and I wanted to see the chess club a little bit more active. So we, we organized a couple events. Like we sent a team to Pan Am's or we played an amateur team West. We brought over Daniel Naradisky. He did a simul and that was a lot of fun. Um, but I, I realized that I would have to put in so much work to make it more active than it was. So I I tried to do something where I was putting in the hours, but also having time to focus on my studies and exploring new subjects, because ultimately I had played chess for so long in my life that I wanted to also learn other things. And I'd like to add, actually, that the Stanford Chess Club has been growing since then. I know Daniel Naroditsky, Grandmaster Daniel Naroditsky is really involved right now. And they're also starting to get on Twitch. um, And they hosted the World Chess Championships online and had people meet and watch it on Twitch. So the culture is changing there as well. And funny enough, Twitch is a big part of this, which I I guess has been for everything chess related. Yeah, that's interesting because also the recent Pan Ams um, in in the Stanford area in San Francisco. So there's seems like there's a lot more chess activity in San Francisco lately and honestly all over the country. Right. You know, one thing I forgot to ask about Twitch, but really fascinates me is that I feel that in chess, this rating system is something that people become so obsessed with. And I've noticed that in poker and in chess, um, people start to become like obsessed with the number of followers they have, the number of live viewers, that it's this kind of like numerical um, ranking system that kind of denotes value. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with this since you're obviously a much bigger Twitch insider than I? And do you think it's a positive force or a negative force? I think any social media user gets excited, excited as they start to get more followers. Um, that's obviously embedded into why we find it so addicting or when we get more likes and stuff like that. I know that a lot of Twitch streamers, 
one of the things they care most about is, you know, how many viewers are they getting? And obviously how many subscribers if they're doing it professionally. But the viewer count was really interesting to me because I went to a couple workshops at TwitchCon and when people would do anything other than their most popular activity, so say my most popular thing is playing Blitz online with viewers, if I start doing Hyper Bullet or longer games or something other than chess, then the average viewer count goes down. And you feel bad because you know you're not doing the thing that your audience most likes, but you also can't do the same activity every single time and you have to experiment a little bit. So that's been one of the more interesting trends that I've seen on Twitch so far. But the other big one is if you're not streaming consistently, then you start to to lose a huge chunk of your subscribers. I know uh, the biggest Twitch, Twitch streamer, Ninja, talked a little bit about this, how he went on vacation and he lost like 15% of his subscribers. Right, which is a big deal if you're, prof- yeah. you're actually getting your main source of income yeah. from Twitch. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's one of those things where you always have to show up and you have to be there consistently. Yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. It's like the number does give a good sense of whether or not you're growing and doing a good job, but you don't want to get so obsessed with it that it completely drives your content. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so some Twitch Twitch streamers at, at the uh, workshops I went to recommended, like, stop looking at viewer accounts if you're trying something new, look at it after. But if you're looking at it live, it's going to change your attitude towards what you're doing and you'll start to feel a little bit less motivated or worse or say, oh, I, they don't like what I'm doing right now. It's less entertaining. But you, you have to try different things occasionally. That's so funny because that literally reminds me of like scholastic coaches telling their kids not to look at the rating of their opponent until after the game. Right. No, that makes sense. Yeah, it's really funny. Uh, speaking of over the board chess, like What do you think that uh, we can learn at an organization like U.S. Chess, which is about so much of it is about scholastic chess, growing the game and making, you know, making sure that different populations that haven't been exposed to chess get into it um, with this huge boom of esports? What do you think over the board chess can learn from that? Um, so what can over the board chess learn from Twitch? Yeah, exactly. Like what what do you think, um, for instance, like major tournaments, whether it be scholastic or adults tournaments can take um, from the techniques that have made chess pop so popular on Twitch? OK, well, I think one of the things that has made chess the most popular on Twitch, other than being able to watch high level play, which you're able to do at a tournament already if there's grandmasters there or grand or you know masters who are analyzing games in between rounds is what we keep talking about the sense of community and i know a huge part why i stayed in the game was because i had a lot of friends who played chess or friends of mine who would go to the same chess summer camp every year the one in arizona um, they made a lot of friends there so then they would always want to play at tournaments so if there were maybe more social activities at chess tournaments I know they have things like Blitz on the side or Bug House on the side, but especially for kids, somehow they could get to know each other better and make friends there. I think this would help a lot. Yeah, that's really interesting. I agree with you about that. And then also, I know that when I saw you in San Francisco, you mentioned how there should be more serious bullet chess championships. Oh, well, I'm a little biased. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I would love to see more rapid style tournaments, either Blitz or Bullet, just because it's much more exciting for a lot of people to watch rapid chess than to sit at a game for seven hours or so. 
Um, I, I like how during the Chess 960 Championship, they had heart rate monitors and things like that. It would be great to see a tournament with Bullet that had heart rate monitors and people watching from Twitch and some interesting stakes and making it a little bit more of a modern type event that is less focused on the most accurate chess because it's bullet chess, but also mixes a lot of other skills like nerves and time management and creativity in the game and uh, dealing with pressure. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of your bullet tips? Because I always find that if I try to get better at things like bullet and puzzle rush, it it's it's really tough, except for maybe trying to find the time of the day that you peak, mm-hmm. um, like the right amount of caffeine and like the right hour of the day. Right. Well, I, I wouldn't. So th- I would only give this advice to people who enjoy playing bullet because I know there's some people who don't like it and they think it makes their chess worse and they're really into classical chess. Obviously, if that's you, don't improve your bullet. But if bullet is something you really like doing and it makes you happy, it's a break between things, then there's definitely some tips you could do to get better. Um, For me, doing tactics more often help my bullet, not playing when I'm tilted. So if you've lost a couple of games and you're really upset and you just want to improve, um, I I would take, take a break right then. I obviously can't do it on stream. And that's why when I stream online, my bullet rating is like 200 points lower than when I play without streaming. Um, And, and the other thing I think is just practice. You start, learning which openings you know better that work well in bullet. And when you're familiar with the opening and the ideas and the strategy in the middle game, you could just play it so much faster. Yeah, well, I think that it, you know, if you think about bullet as a way to get better or even blitz as a way to get better in classical chess, then there might not be a big correlation. But if you think about the fact that there's some people out there who just want to get better at blitz or bug house or bullet because they want to win that championship or they want to, you know, stream and be a little bit more impressive on their streams, then it's kind of it kind of makes sense that you specifically want to get better at that skill. Yeah, exactly. Um, Like there, there are certain openings that are really sharp that I would like to play in classical chess, but in bullet, I wouldn't because if I have to sit and think five seconds on a move, that's already a huge waste of time. So I like to play um, openings that really transpose into each other. And the ideas are a little bit more similar, or you could play the same move order and just adapt it to whatever your opponent plays. Um, So looking into openings like that, I think would give you a bigger advantage over bullet. Whereas in classical chess, obviously, if it's a sharp line, you know really well, you can prepare against your opponent, you should do that. Yeah, I mean, this is something we talked about a lot um, on the air recently about the Grand Chess Tour, because there's these like hybrid events where to be the ultimate Grand Tour Chess Tour champion, who, of course, is Hikaru Nakamura, who we were talking about on this stream a ton. Mm-hmm. We talked about his Twitch channel as well. And clearly he was, you know, potentially the favorite of the whole tour because he's so good at all three formats. Yeah, yeah. But I was asking, I was posing the question to Yaz and Maurice and like, I don't think I really got a completely clear answer because nobody knows. But I was like, is there something that's like a fast twitch muscle in, but applied to the brain that some people just, they might think really well, but they just don't think quite as quickly. And they might be like a little bit capped when it comes to like bullet or puzzle rush or something that really requires you like a, a very quick input speed. I think the quick input speed other than pattern recognition happens at two moments for me. Um, the first is if I have a bad position or if I'm confused at the position, I'll kind of choke. And then I realize I'm choking and I realize I'm losing time, which makes me choke even more. So instead of losing, you know, five seconds, maybe I'll lose seven or eight. Um, so I think getting a good handle over your emotions and understanding that you don't 
like sometimes in the position there's there's no way to get out of it you just have to keep playing and and you still have a chance because it's it's fast paced and do that instead of worrying that you're losing and the second is actually towards the last five ten seconds where you're in a time scramble this is definitely a muscle that can be trained just learning some basic flagging skills you know if you're in a better position but it's not obvious how to checkmate your opponent and you only have three seconds they have four seconds just just make moves that are easy to pre-move in the last second when it's really close you could even place your piece next to their king to check it so that their pre-move doesn't work and they lose time and they flag. So those kinds of things are muscles and they could be learned in bullet, but it does not apply anywhere outside of that. But I think the emotional point that you made originally actually is really applicable and it's so important because I find that sometimes emotionally, like for instance, let's say you're trying to beat your high score on Puzzle Rush or something like that. Right. And right. you notice like a lot of grandmasters are posting screenshots of yeah. missing like three in a row when they were about to hit their high score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like clearly there's something there that it's like you, you start to get a little bit stressed. And I think the fact is like you can bottle up that feeling and analyze it and say like, hey, like why am I getting stressed? I should, I'm the same person. I just missed one. Yes, exactly. This momentum effect is just like a mirage in my head, you know? Yeah, it's so easy to start uh, second-guessing yourself in Puzzle Rush after you've, you've gotten two wrong and it just takes one more and you're out. And maybe you got a perfect score until then, but then I think you slow down and you get a little more nervous. And being able to control your um, emotional state very well will give you a huge edge on that kind of situation. And very applicable to like lots of real life situations as well. Yeah, yeah. And for those of yeah, I totally for agree. those of listeners who don't know what Puzzle Rush is, it's the it's this new very addictive um, puzzle competition that Chess.com recently released, where you have to solve as many puzzles as you can in uh, five minutes, and they get progressively difficult. And it's it's very rewarding because you you get a lot of like easy ones right, and I think that that feels really good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and if you guys haven't tried it yet, you should. It's so much fun. So any other, like, before I let you go, I, you know, this is a, a ladies night podcast, which means we're trying to talk to top women personalities in the game, but really all over the map, like top Twitch streamers and bullet players, as well as, you know, the, uh, the top grandmasters and world chess champions. Um, and, you know, you've, you've given me a lot of thoughts about um, anti-harassment online and how that made the community a better place. Any um, general tips for young girls getting into the game or to parents or coaches trying to get more girls into the game? I actually read one of your tweets on the subject recently, and I agree. I agreed a lot that if you're trying to get young girls into the game, they want to see some people who are similar to them who are doing well or it's their peers. So like you said, there's a lot of uh, female chess players like Anna Rudolph and watching her videos, I imagine would be really inspiring to young girls. But I think first for young girls and young kids in general, just making sure they have fun with the game and then eventually making sure that some of the people they know who play chess, they're good friends with, they they get along with well and they can relate to. And at a young age, it's often easier to relate to somebody of the same gender. And my best friend to this day was uh, was a, a girl I met who played chess. And we've been best friends since we were six. And that was a huge impact on me. And I think if there's more girl-focused events at the beginning where they can create these bonds and then meet at open tournaments, that would be a huge help. Oh, yeah. And I totally think we see that happening already with so many tournaments going on. Is the girl somebody we know? 
She played in Canadian youth uh, nationals until she was about 12 and then she stopped playing. Okay. But yeah, she's still, yeah, yeah. she's, she's, you guys are still friends, of course. Yeah, we're still friends and we, we met in chess and it made tournaments so much more fun. Um, I preach this a lot just because I experienced it and I see it happening at chess clubs. My dad runs a chess club for elementary school students and you just see how people create friends at first and they're so much more comfortable when you're not there and you're feeling like the outsider. I think this makes sense for any activity. If there's somebody you get along with well in in this activity, you're going to stay more often. It's pretty easy to understand, I think. Yeah, it's very intuitive. And of course, if you do quit, you're more likely to hop back in. Like you mentioned, you quit twitching a little bit. Yeah. A lot of people don't know about me that I quit chess for a few years also because I didn't have any friends. It was at that like junior high level where or late elementary school, sixth grade, fifth grade. And um, I was lucky though, because of course my whole family is into chess. So I was able to hop back in. Right. But not everybody has that. So yeah, I totally agree. And I just think trying a lot of things and for those of you who have uh, daughters or, or sons who feel like they're kind of like, or, or students who are kind of slipping away from chess, you know, maybe finding a Twitch streamer that they really <laughs> love could be a way to keep them in. Yeah, that would be really cool. Whenever I get a message that uh, somebody has gotten more into chess because they've watched my stream or one of their kids has gotten more into it, I could not ask for a better feeling than that. Yes, exactly. And who else do you recommend watching besides yourself, of course? And you're, the best way to find you is just to go to twitch.com uh, slash Alexander Botez. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Alexander Botez. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Um, obviously, Hikaru as well and Gotham Chess from I Am Levy Rosman. He's a really great streamer, really consistent. Um, I, I, I'm recommending these two because they are the most consistent and also very high level, community oriented and family friendly streams, so to say. There's others like the chess bras are also very entertaining, but I would definitely say they're an 18 plus stream. Uh, Anna Rudolph is amazing as well, but she can't stream as often because she's doing commentary. So that's why those are my top two picks. Right. And Anna, obviously you can find lots about her on YouTube. And yeah, so. with Anna, you should, she's like the, one of the top YouTube channels you should follow because the content she creates is amazing. Um, or watching her commentary live, but people already know that about her. So, well, great. Well, you know, it was so great to have you on and you mentioned twitch.tv slash Alexander Botez. Is there any other future plans you want to let people know about? You're going to be working with the pro chess league. Yeah, I'm going to be working with the Pro Chess League. I'm probably going to be working on um, an educational series for chess.com in January as well. So look out for that. And I I'm just going to keep putting in the the hours and having fun with the stream and see where it goes. Well, thank you so much for being on Ladies Night. And I'm sure I'm going to try to convince you to come back on sometime. That sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. And I... I'm excited to listen to your, your podcast overall, and I'm sure it's going to be a success. Thank you. Good night. Good night to you as well. Now according to Sockfish, I got it all wrong. After slightly advantage, I had nothing but my dear Capablanco. You tell me we'll learn more from our defeats Who needs victories, right?
This is Jennifer Shahadi signing off. Thanks for listening. May every night be ladies' night and every pawn become a queen.